Hi, my name is Derek Berry, and this is Glossolalia, a podcast about creative writing. This episode will be a creative boot camp episode, an in-depth look into a single element of craft. Now, these episodes have been designed for beginners, um, especially those that haven't had the opportunity to learn creative writing in any sort of institutional setting. Um, so if you um, are already advanced, have studied English, or ha have an MFA, you know, a lot of this is going to be repetitive, things that you know. Um, but I, I do encourage you to listen because maybe it will uh, kind of remind you of those elements of craft and how they can change and alter your work. Um, and I also help that, that these boot camp episodes, uh, these sessions can help you think deeply about craft and, and what craft can achieve. At the end of each episode of Creative Bootcamp, I'll leave you with some creative writing prompts to try at home. And the best way to absorb information is to incorporate it into your work. So we're going to practice and we're going to push to consider and to grow and, and use these prompts to sort of propel our work forward. This first episode of the Creative Bootcamp is about the poetic line. But before we get into talking about craft, um, here's a word from our generous sponsor. Hello Fresh Ideas is a poetry prompt delivery service, America's number one poetic ideas kit, delivered fresh to your door. This week you can discover Sestinas and Epistolatory poems, and you can also try their new Pescatarian options, that's the one I usually go for. To learn more, visit hellofreshideas.com slash glossolalia. And also remember, if you're interested in sponsoring future episodes of this podcast, don't forget to get in touch by stuffing a letter penned in squid ink into an empty tequila bottle and tossing it into a nearby creek. Often, the difference between prose and poetry is identified by the use of the line. James Loganbach, in his book The Art of the Poetic Line, explains the concept pretty succinctly. Poetry is the sound of language organized in lines. Lineation then often becomes this defining characteristic of the poem. But like all rules, this one is often broken, particularly in the instance of the prose poem, which is a subject we'll discuss another day. In her book, The Poetry Handbook, Mary Oliver writes, prose is printed or written within the confines of margins, right? So it's, it's fit to, to the page itself. Uh, she continues, while poetry is written in lines that do not necessarily pay any attention to the margins, especially the right margin. To understand poems, it is imperative to understand the art of the poetic line, particularly how the line breaks. So that's the end of the line, right? Where does the line end and where does the line begin? And I've noticed with teaching workshops um, to, to different emerging writers that often the line is something that is ignored. And I think it's a missed opportunity um, that, that the people aren't using the line in interesting ways that can imbue your work with further meaning. Let's start with a simple idea, the length of the poetic line. How does the length of a line shape the meaning of a poem? Think of what happens at the end of a line. Much like when we encounter a comma or period or semicolon, our minds pause at the end of the line, right? There's a gap of both physical white space and linguistic cognition. It takes 
some time for our brains to jump from the end of one line to the beginning of other, meaning that there's this brief space between each line that helps us take in the line individually before barreling on to consume the next line. Um, as you read a line, you pick up speed. So reading a long line can often feel like you're riding down a steep hill in a stolen Piggly Wiggly shopping cart. We keep going and going and going and going and picking up speed. A short line, however, might feel like the sudden drop off a cliff after racing the Piggly Wiggly shopping cart too fast. With short lines, we take more breaks. There is more possibility for collision and intersection. Uh, but it also slows our reading. Uh, the voice can quicken or slow when reading the poem aloud. Um, that's a really interesting thing to do. So you want to take a poem and, and read it aloud and notice how the voice picks up speed or slows down depending on the length of those lines. Now, pretty often, contemporary poetry uses varied lines, both long and short, to achieve sonic and poetic intentions. I want you to think what can be accomplished by slowing the reader or speeding the reader along. Now that's just kind of the first thing I want to start to think about, right? And we start to see that, oh, okay, well now where you end the line is, is quite important. Um, but a line can accomplish even more than just its length. Um, a line is often referred to as, as sort of a unit of measure, right? You break down a poem into stanzas and also then further into lines then if a line is a unit of measure, what does it measure? I would like to offer two possibilities, meter and meaning. Let's start with meter. You have likely in high school poetry and English courses encountered how to understand meter. It's a staple of traditional poetry. Meter refers to the stressed and unstressed syllables in any given line. A metrical foot, which is another unit of measure consists of one unstressed and one stressed syllable. This is also called an I am. We can break lines down into even more component parts, right? First into I ams, then syllables, then sounds and letters. But, but I find the line itself to be a more interesting unit because it is both visual and audio. Uh, we've heard of course, again, in high school English courses about iambic pentameter, uh, a basic mode of composition alternating between stressed and unstressed syllables. Here's an example. It's a line from Shakespeare's famous play, Twelfth Night, um, and I hope that it helps illustrate. If music be the food of love, play on. Notice the mu in music is stressed while the syllables preceding and following are unstressed, right? If music be the food of love, play on. You can read that line again and, and start to see how the, the syllables play with each other. Um, of, of course, a lot of contemporary poetry is written in free verse, which just eschews the boundaries of meter and rhyme, instead focusing on syntax, meaning, and sound. And sometimes I, I think it's also interesting to think about um, not just the meter of a poem, which, you know, is, is something that a lot of traditional forms do, but also the meaning of each line. Um, and you can encounter each line as a distinct unit of logic in the poem's larger narrative. So, for example, consider these two lines from Alexander Pope's An Essay on Man, which is Epistle 1. Then say not man's imperfect 
heaven in fault. Say rather, man's as perfect as he ought. I'm going to read that again just so you can understand it. Then say not man's imperfect, heaven in fault. Say rather, man's as perfect as he ought. Each line is, in a sense, a complete thought. The first implying that man or humankind is not perfect because he was made imperfect by God. Um, although uh, we shouldn't say something like that. That's what Alexander is saying, that um, we shouldn't be implying that it is God's fault that man is imperfect. Now, the second line, say rather, man's as perfect as he ought, expounds on that idea. Um, that It states that rather than trying to blame God for imperfection, a human should strive to be as best as they can be. This kind of line is also called an end-stopped line. Um, often, end-stop lines end in punctuation. A period, a dash, a closed parenthesis, a colon, or a semicolon. Um, it is a line that contains a complete thought or phrase. So each line can be self-contained, right? You can take each line apart uh, by itself. There's another possibility, however, for line breaks, um, and that's a subject I want to discuss kind of for the remainder of, of this first uh, craft boot camp, and it is called enjambment. Right? So end stop lines are when we end on punctuation and when that line has a self-contained meaning. An enjambment occurs in a poem when a sentence or phrase from one poetic line runs into the next. So this often occurs without any sort of terminal punctuation. No periods, no semicolons or colons, etc. In a very practical way, um, enjambment breaks up the logic of a line. So when we come to the end of a line, we don't have a full thought, right? We only have a sort of partial or a crooked meeting. Sometimes this break between lines can have a tremendous effect. It might, for example, lure the reader to the next line. You know, they, they hope to find out how that thought ends. Enjambment delays logical satisfaction, leaving us with this fragment of a phrase or a thought, it forces us to lean forward and continue onward without all of our questions, you know, answered. Enjambment can introduce this brief mystery, and we must always read on to understand. And that's why I think it's really important to understand enjambment, because it can be a really good way to, um, you know, put something new into your poems. Um, enjambment uh, also has a lot of other elements, right? It can also create conflicting meanings um, when, you know, each line can kind of change based on the line that comes after. And in this way, it's uh, kind of easy to defy um, this sort of very simple logic in poems. We can make our poems more complicated. So if you're interested in exploring how the poetic line shapes meaning, I want you to try this, right? So here are some prompts. First, I want you to either write a new draft of a poem or take a poem you've already written. And I want you to rewrite the poem so that each line is a complete sentence, right? So you'll notice that some of those lines are gonna be really long or, or strange sounding. And I want you to read the poem aloud in this form and see how it feels. Um, see how, you know, these uh, lines 
feel in your mouth, right, and, and how you would read them. And then I want you to make each line, um, you know, a, a, a little bit shorter, right? Uh, see what happens if, if, if you then uh, maybe have half of a sentence on one line and then half of a sentence on the line underneath. See how the poem changes and notice how this changes how the poem sounds when read aloud. And next, I want you to try something um, drastic. I want you to rewrite the poem again so that only two words appear on each line. So then make those lines even shorter, right? It's going to be a much longer poem, and it's going to be very narrow. I want you to read it aloud that way. What happens when you get to the end of each line? What new intersections are introduced with all this new breaking that you are doing? Um, so that's kind of the first prompt. I want you to use that poem and, and continue to experiment with the length of your lines and see what happens and, and see what sort of things like emotionally or sonically can happen when you experiment with the length of your lines. Uh, during that process, I want you to also pay attention to the words that happen, uh, that occur at the very end of the line, right? So pay attention to where the line breaks. Uh, is the line break at the end of a sentence, right? Like in the very first part of the prompt? Um, or is it the end of a thought, perhaps? Uh, does the line interrupt a thought? And if so, how does that change the meaning of the line or the entire poem? And what does it mean for a person's uh, or a poem's syntax to be broken? I want you to experiment with enjambment. So I want you to try on how it how it can feel in your poems. So find a moment of, of tension in a line, right? So find a moment when uh, maybe there's a verb that's about to affect a noun or perhaps um, a noun is about to verb something, right? It's about to take an action. And we're going to break the line there and see what that tension does, right? So when we have, uh, you know, the phrase the dog, for example, at the end of a line, you know, what is the dog doing, right? We're, we're just say the dog, you know, there, there's a movement forward that I think um, is really interesting. Um, so through these exercises, we can steer ourselves away from the easy solution, the sure and steady period, right? Let's not just lead the poems toward conclusion, but instead complication. And we should exit a poem more bewildered than when we entered. How the line breaks can both baffle and comfort, can bring us solace or push us further toward uncertainty. So this week, I want you to embrace the uncertainty in your poems and see how line breaks help you in that journey. Thank you so much for listening to Glossolalia. Uh, the next episode will be up in two weeks. You can look at my Twitter page, Derek Barry Wright, or um, the Facebook page, Derek Barry Author, on Facebook um, to kind of find out what I am doing next. Um, if you want to find out anything about me, you can just go to DerekBerryWriter.com. That's D-E-R-E-K-B-E-R-R-Y writer, as in a person who writes, dot com. Thanks.